Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. America looks abroad with your foreign correspondent, Robert Arden, presented each weeknight over these stations by the 12 Southern California offices of Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist, whose main Los Angeles office is over the Owl Drug, 5th and Broadway. Tonight's broadcast is transcribed from an earlier program. Good evening. New Year's Day has come and gone. And while we are getting accustomed to writing 1941 in our datelines... 1940 A.D. is being entered into the records of history as a year which saw the most important and perhaps the most far-reaching ideological conflict of modern history break out in open warfare. The term ideological conflict is being used advisedly since it cannot be doubted any longer that the war between Great Britain and Nazi Germany is not an armed contest between two powerful nations disputing each other's possessions but that it is actually a life-and-death struggle between two ideologies. Let us see if my contention stands up under close scrutiny. On one side, we have Great Britain, her ally and sympathizers. They, obviously, stand for preservation and protection of their traditional belief in human liberty and spiritual freedom. On the opposing side, we have Nazi Germany and her totalitarian axis, the advocates of imposition by brute force of a dogma that teaches intolerance, subservience of all to one individual, and which excuses aggression and bloody conquest as the rightful means to their end employed by supposed members of a super race. Those are unquestionably the facts in the case. The bitterness which marks the current conflict, both on the battlefields and on the speaker's platforms, the hateful use of treacherous espionage and insidious propaganda, that alone would point to the existence of an ideological conflict rather than to a clash caused by more material motives. It is a well-known and perhaps somewhat unfortunate fact that human beings, when inspired by inflexible ideas, and by that are meant all ideas whose inherent weakness disallows tolerance or any other form of peaceful conciliation, are apt to transgress beyond the limits of human kindness and resort to more or less bloody violence. That psychological fact was proved by the ancient Romans during the times of early Christianity. It was demonstrated by Mohammed. It was again brought into evidence by the Holy Inquisition, and it is being repeated in our times by communism, fascism, and Nazism. Philosophy teaches us that we can learn from our past. By establishing indisputable facts at certain intervals, we can discern directional lines which indicate at least the direction in which certain events under certain conditions will and must lead. The history of mankind shows that in certain circumstances, usually under great economic stress and the ensuing mental despair, human beings are willing to follow almost any leader who promises a better future. Whether that be paradise after this life, or nirvana, or the promised land, whether it be the Marxian utopia or the Hitlerian Nazi domination, 
makes essentially no difference. When in need, human beings learn to pray. When in despair, they like to follow a stronger mind. Taking these facts for granted, we must now look at Europe and seek out the material confirmations. After the last European war, in 1918, there was great economic distress and great mental despair all throughout Europe. Russia, though the first nation to embrace, more or less willingly, the new religion of communism, after 20-odd years of practical and unlimited experimenting, is still as far away from the Marxian utopia or any other ideal condition, for that matter, as it ever was. Then came the multitude of new states, created by strategists and the conference tables of Versailles, in strict accordance with the proclaimed principle of self-determination, but without any regard for economic possibilities. These states, of course, had nothing more than a different language, and very often only a different dialect as a justification for their political existence. Small wonder, then, that their political existence was a heavy economic burden and a continuous source of friction with their neighbors and sponsors. Italy was second to attempt a change, when a renegade socialist by name of Benito Mussolini double-crossed his spiritual and material leader, Gabriele D'Annunzio, and set himself up as Duce del Fascismo. The intolerance of that new political religion was demonstrated in, as we saw later, the comparatively mild form of beatings and castor oil treatments of dissenters. Germany, the strongest and most important of the European nations, went through every one of the disappointing experiences her neighbors had to muddle through. Post-war Germany had her communist putschers and fascist coups d'etat under the social democratic governments which followed a collapsed imperial regime. But while excellent as a position in a parliamentary monarchy, the social democrats proved themselves utterly devoid of any ability to assume leadership of the new state. In those circumstances, under those conditions, covered by comparative obscurity, a former paperhanger, a hysterical egoist, who had an axe to grind with everyone and everything, became the underground apostle of countless hungry and jobless Germans whose worst suffering came from their hurt pride. The German, or rather the Prussian, who has no racial affinity with the Teutonic German at all, since he is originally a Slav, is deeply rooted in his past, which shows his ancestors as conquering warriors. Hitler's task was comparatively easy, inasmuch as the Germans were mentally and materially ready to follow a new leader, provided he would lead them back to the glory that once was theirs. Before going any further, let's have a word from Bill Fuller. More than simply marking a date on the calendar, New Year's is traditionally a day in which resolutions are made, as we all know. So if you have made a list of good intentions, a list of the many things you plan to do this year and had intended doing last year, suppose we check over the items to see whether you have remembered one of the most important. See if you have resolved to have your teeth cared for by Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist. Neglected teeth can cause great misery, can cause ill health too, and neglected teeth can be a source of discomfort both mental and physical. You can't represent yourself to your best advantage if poor teeth misrepresent you. So why not resolve right now to start 1941 the right way by having your teeth properly cared for? Such care is simple and conveniently obtained by calling on your nearest Dr. Cowan friendly credit dental office. 
You needn't delay further because of lack of cash or heavy Christmas expenditures, because Dr. Cowan will not ask you to pay cash. You may arrange terms to suit your own budget, and there is never an extra charge for Dr. Cowan credit. And speaking of terms, with approved credit, it is not necessary to have a down payment to have Dr. Cowan fit you with a set of the improved transparent material dentures, the still recent development of dental science that has brought untold relief and comfort to wearers of artificial teeth. If you haven't learned of the advantages of these new dentures, I'd suggest that you ask Dr. Cowan to show you samples on your next visit. And I'd suggest, too, that you make that dental visit early in 1941. How about seeing Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist, tomorrow? The main office over the Owl Drug, 5th and Broadway, downtown Los Angeles. And now back to Robert Arden. That was the way the theory of Nazi Superman was born and the idea of world conquest conceived. The world does not acknowledge the glorious past of the Teuton and his inherited claim to greatness, so the Nazis argued, the world must be taught by force. And once in power, the Nazi doctrine became the most ruthless and intolerant of all. Human beings became the servants of the state and the serfs of their master. Religion of any denomination became outlawed and concentration camps or the far more merciful end of sudden death became the destiny of all those who were singled out as responsible for the depressed economic and political situation. Agreements and treaties were torn up, and since the rest of the world did not feel much desire to embark upon another devastating war, the leader, their Führer, became the hero in the eyes of his hypnotized followers, and Nazism was on the march. Thus we see that the facts are there. Need, starvation, and mental despair are the components which created the monster of Hitlerism. And from those facts, we can determine those directional lines I mentioned before. And they seem to point to ultimate destruction of Hitler and his Nazism. Because essentially, human beings want to be free to think, speak, and worship as they please. They want to see their children grow up as free men and not become products of mass industry destined to serve as uniformed slaves in a military juggernaut. A Washington report tonight tells of an exchange of telegrams between the King of Italy and President Roosevelt. Most of the papers buried that item in their back pages, although, in my opinion, it is one of the most interesting, perhaps most revealing stories that has come to our attention. King Vittorio Emanuele sent President Roosevelt a message in which he extended his most cordial good wishes for the people of the United States. At the same time, the fascist press was threatening a declaration of war upon the same people by the totalitarian axis. Now the question arises, which one of the two represents the public sentiment of the still fascist state of Italy? Mussolini has never been able successfully to overcome the great influence of the Italian king upon the Italian people. He was forced to keep the king a virtual prisoner within the walls of the Quirinale. Now, suddenly, the king, apparently without the consent of his prime minister, communicates with the president of a country which the official fascist press accuses of trying to become essential in an attempt to defeat them and their political allies. That would indicate that the vast majority of Italians stand behind their king and not with Mussolini and his fascists and that the so far terrifying domination of the Italian people by the fascists is gradually diminishing in violence. And that would be a fact which, if true, would foreshadow the possibility of an early collapse of fascism. 
The king, who would naturally become the leader of his people again, would then have at least the full sympathies of this country with him. And that's not such a bad start for any politician. President Roosevelt, in his fireside chat, referred shortly to the fact that he believed in the defeat of the Axis, partly because he was in possession of excellent information. It wouldn't be beyond all possibilities to assume that the same man who sends the President and the people of the United States a friendly New Year's wish could also be the source of reliable and friendly information. But be that how it may, it cannot be denied that the impression of fascism's growing weakness is greatly underlined by the Italian king's unexpected entrance on the international stage. While Robert Arden reviews a few final comments, may I remind you that for all dentistry at any time with no charge for credit, the offices of Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist, are located in 12 communities from Ventura to San Diego, including Long Beach, opposite Buffum's Broadway at Pine, and East Los Angeles, Whittier, the corner of Kern. The main Los Angeles office in the Metropolitan Building, 5th and Broadway, over the Owl Drug. For approximate prices in advance, telephone Mutual 1191. And here are more remarks by Robert Arden. Another highly significant report came from Lisbon, the capital of Portugal, tonight. According to well-informed sources there, the diplomatic relations between Nazi Germany and the Vichy government were close to formal rupture as the negotiations over Laval's reinstatement into the French government were suddenly broken off. It is quite obvious that the Franco-German relations have grown steadily worse since the break between Marshal Pétain and Pierre Laval. Hitler was able to force the Pétain government to release Laval from arrest, but he could not make the aged French warrior take him back into the government. Now, if an open break between Nazi Germany and France occurs, there are two results possible. First, Pétain may fly to North Africa and leave the rest of European France to Laval and Hitler. Or, secondly, he may stay and accept the consequences of a Hitler appointment of Laval as head of a totalitarian France. In that latter case, Vagon, the Generalissimo in North Africa, may have the last word. And it can be assumed that he would not say hello to either Hitler or Laval, but perhaps prefer to greet the British with a hearty bienvenue. Vigan still controls France's most powerful North African army, and if he joins Britain, Italy's collapse in Libya would become a matter of a few hours only. And if Berlin breaks with Pétain, Vigan will have no other way. At any rate, it becomes more and more apparent now that Hitler is not quite at ease even in conquered France. And as long as that question remains unsolved, it will remain highly dangerous for him to venture any other military expedition on the Balkans. It may be much more difficult than he or even Monsieur Laval expects to impose the Nazi doctrine upon the French people, who by their very nature would rather shout Vive la liberté, égalité and fraternité, than yell Heil Hitler. The ideological conflict between Nazism and democracy will be hard and bitterly fought. But like the famous prize fighter we all know, the day will come when a free humanity will shout, It was a tough battle, O oh Lord, but we won. Au revoir. Each evening, Monday through Friday, America looks abroad with your foreign correspondent, Robert Arden, a radio feature presented over these stations by Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist. Until tomorrow evening at our regular time, 7.45, this is Bill Fuller reminding that you can never afford to neglect your teeth when you can always afford to see Dr. Cowan. Tonight's broadcast was a transcription of a program heard earlier this evening. This program originates in Warner Brothers Hollywood Studios.